Welcome, everyone, to another post-game edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. After Game 3 of the first-round series between the Cavaliers and the New York Knicks, uh, I am Hayden Grove, your host, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor. Cavaliers lose Game 3 by a final score of 99-79, to the first NBA game of the 2022-2023 season in which a team scored less than 80 points. There's a lot to get into here. Um <laughs> I think the first thing, Chris, is kind of, you know, there's a lot of people saying, and and I think that it's it's fair, that you just you just throw this one in the trash. It was that bad. It was, you know, you don't really learn anything from it other than you know experience from the environment that you were in, and you just kind of wash it away before Sunday's one o'clock start. It's really hard to make too much of this one, right? Um, yeah. I, I think anytime you're talking about a postseason series, a seven-game series, Danny Green said it after the game, it's a series, right? It's not just one game. It doesn't matter what happened in game one. doesn't matter what happened in game two. doesn't matter what happened in game three. And margin of victory is not going to make a team better uh, equipped to win game four or anything along those lines. So... Sometimes you have these kinds of games in a series. Um, the Cavs were absolutely atrocious on the offensive end tonight. Yeah. Um, they held the Knicks to 99 points and lost by 20. <laughs> like, what do you even say? What do you even say at this point in time? The Cavs had a defensive rating of 105.4. It was good enough. It was one of the worst offensive performances I have seen in a long, long time maybe ever yeah i mean it was just from the beginning i mean both teams really struggled to start it was 17 to 17 at the end of the first quarter knicks kind of got their stride cavaliers still just you know just never found it in this game um darius garland you know four of 21 i mean just a brutal night for him um just across the board the only points you got off the bench from cleveland was isaac okoro uh he had seven it's just it was what what do you, do you think it well, was the moment do you think it was the moment do you think it was the you know the environment do you think it was what what was the reasoning for their it it seemed like they had open shots they just weren't falling well they didn't really have that many open shots honestly um yeah. the Knicks contested 52 of the 80 total shots that the Cavs took so they only had 28 uncontested shots. In fact, the Knicks contested more shots than the Cavs contested in the game. Um, so I understand Darius and Donovan and Karras and a lot of the guys saying early on in the game, they felt like they had good looks. They liked the offense that they were running. Um, maybe they could say that early on in the game, but I don't think that was the case for the duration of the game. I thought at times their offense got stagnant. I thought at times their offense got sloppy. They didn't do a good enough job getting the ball to Jared Allen. They didn't do a good enough job of, of moving bodies and um, dictating terms to the defense. So um, I didn't think... I didn't think if they're going to lean on the we got a bunch of good shots throughout the course of this game and they didn't fall like that to me does not pass the smell test based on what I saw again early on. That was the case at times, especially with somebody like Darius, who simply couldn't shoot. He was 0 for 8, 0 of his first eight and 0 of his first four from three point range. But 
that wasn't how the game went um, in its entirety. Uh, but but to the broader point, like if Darius Garland's going to go four of twenty one from the field and one of seven from three point range and score just ten points, the Cavs aren't going to have much of a chance in this series. Um, because Evan Mobley is still struggling finishing around the rim, still struggling with the size and the length and the physicality of both Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson. And we all know Karis LeVert is a very streaky player. He started off 0 of 6 from the field, finished 7 of 17 because he was better in the second half. But, like, the Cavs need a little bit more consistency on the offensive end from guys not named Donovan Mitchell. And if they don't get it, they're going to have a hard time in the series against a team that is very good defensively and against a team that is um, very in tune with what the Cavs want to do on the offensive end of the floor. See, you mentioned that the Cavs offense got stagnant or whatnot, but yeah. I mean, 79 points. I mean, that's that's just not something we've seen at all from this team so do you think it was a combination of great defense from the Knicks and just horrible shooting from the Cavaliers and maybe you know and just again I I don't know from you know from miles away here in Cleveland yeah it it did seem like the moment was just they weren't ready for it um yeah and maybe and maybe they can't be ready for it because you can't really experience it until you experience it so right i mean was it a combination of all those things um as opposed to just one thing in particular it was a lot of different things Aiden. honestly like I, at times they went away from some of the stuff that was working in game two other times i felt like they tried to duplicate their performance from game two and continued to run those same sets over and over and over again without the same results and I do think they were rattled. Um, it was a rowdy environment. Um, mm. I've covered a lot of NBA games throughout the course of my career. I've covered a lot of playoff games throughout the course of my career. I've covered a lot of finals games throughout the course of my career. Tonight's environment, I was talking to somebody about this before the game. I would put it up there with Oracle Arena. I'd put it up there with the TD Garden in Boston in the playoffs. And I'd put it up there with Toronto in the playoffs, Scotiabank Arena, which can get really, really boisterous. Um, and I just don't think the Cavs handled the moment well. Um, yeah, yeah. They have a lot of young guys that looked very, very blinded by the bright lights. Um, and I think you, you hear it all the time in the postseason. Uh, young role players are going to be more comfortable and play better at home than they are on the road. And you saw that R.J. Barrett turned it around. He was dreadful in the first two games in the series against the Cavs in Cleveland. Six of 25 in those two games combined. And he was awesome tonight. 19 points, 8 of 12 from the field, exploited the Cavs' weaknesses on the defensive end. At times he was screening for Jalen Brunson. They were running guard-to-guard screens, and it, it changed some things that the Cavs wanted to do defensively, especially against Jalen Brunson. Um, Emmanuel quickly had his most impactful game of the postseason to this point. Josh Hart was back looking like Josh Hart. Obi Toppin made some plays. So like being at home, the comfort of Madison Square Garden, the Knicks handled that way better than the Cavs. And I think their young guys got a boost from playing there while the Cavs young guys um, were blinded by the bright lights. 
the question, Chris, becomes, you know, and it, it's pretty simple. The question becomes, you know, they pretty much, I mean, you know, you, we, we've done the 3-1 thing before, but if they lose on Sunday, you're you're asking a ton from a young team to win three, you know, three in a row, mm-hmm. to do it, you know, uh, to come back against a good Knicks team, to do a, to win another game in the Garden. Like, you're asking a lot. The question becomes, can they, you know, was this enough of a, of an experience for them to learn that quickly and to feel like they can come into Sunday's game feeling, feeling a lot better about everything, like that the moment won't be too big, that the environment will rattle them, that they've, you know, that they kind of took the punch and it's time to, you know, get up from the mat. I mean, can they do that? Will they do that? That, that to me seems to be the biggest question. I have no idea. Do you? No, no, I don't know how anybody could know at this point in time which Cavs team is going to show up in game four. Here's the thing that I do know based on everything that we have seen in the first three games for the Cavs. They're going to defend their asses off. They're going to make it tough on the Knicks. And the question is, with two offensively challenged teams, um, which one is going to get enough support for their star player? Yeah, yeah. The Cavs just did not get nearly enough support for Donovan Mitchell tonight. Um, and and look, he wasn't great. You know what I mean? Like he didn't have his yeah. fingerprints all over the game where he was affecting the game in a positive way for the Cavs. But like he looked comfortable in that environment. He looked calm and poised in that environment. And I think it was really, really telling, Hayden, that before the game, I reported a couple of different things. I reported that the Cavs were going to have a starting lineup change going with Karis LeVert instead of Isaac Okoro. And the other thing that I reported is that they had a plan in place to go to Ricky Rubio. And I was told before the game, part of the reason for that is because they wanted his veteran leadership. They wanted his steady hand. They wanted his maturity and his poise. So I think that tells you all you need to know about what the Cavs thought they were walking into in game three. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what they were even internally wondering about. Like they thought they needed Ricky, who did not play at all in game two and who was horrendous in his game one stint because they were wondering about how their young guys were going to react to that stage, that environment. Um, and I think it tells you a lot about um, about how this team um, how this team handled the pressure and the magnitude of of everything that they faced in Game Three. Yeah, yeah. it was it was just not good. There's no doubt, not good whatsoever. Um, and they and they just simply have to get more from the bench. I mean, Isaac Cora was their best bench player tonight at seven points, but you know, Danny Green didn't give them anything. Ricky Rubio didn't give them anything. Jetty Osman didn't half, give them anything. I half mean, of their bench points, Hayden, half of their bench points came in the final four minutes when J.B. Bickerstaff raised the proverbial white flag and he went with, you know, Robin Lopez and Howell Neto and Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade. Think about that. So they had seven real bench points. Tonight. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the number I was using. I'm not even using the other number because no. it, you know, it's not telling. So right. yeah, seven bench points, and all of them came from Isaac Okoro. All of them. So, so it was essentially 39 Knicks, seven Cavs in consequential bench points. Yeah, 
brutal. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously Karis LeVert started this game. Um, I don't know if that's a decision that you regret necessarily, but, but I mean, I mean going into game, game four, four, do they do, do they, do they, do they change it back to Isaac? Because Karis, I mean, started, you know, rough, but it just didn't feel the same as it did in game two. Yeah. I don't know that that is, I don't know that that's a bullet that you can put back in the chamber. Um, you know, I think every matchup is going to call for something different. Every series could potentially call for something different. Every game could potentially call for something different. But but I think the Cavs got out of the Karis move what they were hoping to get out of it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, they feel good enough about Karis's defense against Jalen Brunson that they they understand that Karras is going to be more of a threat offensively. He's going to be more impactful offensively. He's going to be more productive offensively than Isaac. That's just the reality of where Karras is in his career and the style of player that Karras is versus Isaac. Um, so if Karras continues to defend at a high enough level for the Cavs to not feel like they're losing something on the defensive end of the floor by taking Isaac off of it, um, then they're going to keep going that way. And <laughs> I don't think after scoring 79 points against the Knicks in game three, the move is to turn around in game four and say, let's bring out a starting lineup with less offensive options. Yeah, no, that makes so, sense. So, I mean, Karras spaces the floor offensively. He gives them a secondary creator. He keeps the Knicks from being able to trap and blitz Darius and Donovan. Um, it's just, you know, if, if Darius is going to go four of 21 from the field and one of seven from three point range and, and score 10 points, it really isn't going to matter all that much about what JB does with his starting lineup or what he does with his rotations in saying that, like he put out quite possibly the single worst lineup that he has used all season long. Um, and it completely backfired which lineup were you referring to oh god it was um, was, yeah rubio it was ricky rubio um i believe isaac okoro was i wrote it down i'm trying to find it here it is ricky rubio darius garland jetty osman isaac okoro and evan mobley yeah like how are you going to consistently score with that group out there yeah especially with Evan, you know, struggling on the offensive end to finish shots around the rim in this series the way that he has. Isaac Okoro, we know he's an offensively challenged player. Jetty Osman is hit and miss. Um, Ricky Rubio looks completely overmatched in this series against the Knicks youngsters with their speed and length and athleticism and quickness. And um, Darius was like basically out there on his own. So, like, those kinds of lineups, like, JB has to do a better job of avoiding those moments. Um, Because in a playoff series, it can be small things. Like, that wasn't the thing tonight. They lost by 20. They were awful offensively. They scored 79 points, which is just god-awful in today's NBA. But in tightly contested games a few moments throughout the course of a game or a few lineups staying with them too long 
or going to them at the wrong time, like that can flip a game um, and a game could flip a series. So like those kinds of lineups tonight are alarmingly bad and they have to be avoided in a better way. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, Darius Garland specifically, you know, four of 21, 10 points. You know, at the beginning, at the beginning, it was like, okay, you know, yes, you wanted to get him in a rhythm, you know, keep him shooting. And it just never got better. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think we can start to make judgment calls on on Darius Garland. Right. I mean, the first game, he wasn't very good. Second game, he was amazing. Third game, he wasn't he was the worst, probably the worst game of his career. But. You know. He's got to come back in game. I mean, you're right that they they need him or else the series is over. I mean, right. that's the bottom line. If if they don't have him in game four, if they have a similar player that scores 12 points, I just don't see the Cavaliers winning this game, winning that game, winning the series. And, you know, and then you start to have questions about Darius, unfortunately, you know, mm-hmm. it is still early um, in his career. And it's, you know, it, but it's it, it's. Questions start to arise. You know, we we went into this postseason saying, "Who is Darius Garland going to beat, and yeah. what's he going to look like in the postseason?" And thus far, our answer is incredibly up and down. So, yeah. if he can turn it on, then maybe that's just him growing. But the unfortunate thing is that if he doesn't turn it on on Sunday, and he yeah. and the Cavaliers lose in five or six, then we're going to start to have questions, and that's yeah. kind of a scary thought if you're a Cavs fan. Young players go through this all the time on this stage, and he's going to continue to go through it during this playoff series against the Knicks. And the hope is that he's going to continue to figure it out. He's going to continue to be better for it. And the Cavs are going to be better for it. Um, Tonight was his first road playoff game in his career. And it looked like it. He looked like a guy who was uncomfortable um, with what the Cavs were trying to do offensively. He looked like a guy who, for a majority of the game, um, looked uncomfortable playing against the physicality and trying to finish over length and size inside and all those kinds of things. And he looked uncomfortable just inside a building that um, was as loud as any building that he's ever been in in his career, probably the loudest building that he's ever been in his career. Um, so now he knows better what to expect. He knows better um, what he's going to feel in game four and you know if he can get his ankle right and that was a scare for him in the second half he rolled his ankle um on a cameraman that was sitting baseline and jb biggerstaff didn't have an immediate update after the game just saying that darius was sore um i saw darius in the locker room briefly very briefly he was not icing his foot at the time that i saw him and he didn't seem to be walking with a limp or bothered by it significantly so maybe the Cavs dodged one there and if he can get his ankle right, um, we saw what happened after he didn't love the way that he performed in game one, came out game two, and he was spectacular for the Cavs. Um, he's not going to love when he watches the film on what happened tonight, offensively or defensively, to per- be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's going to be up to him to to go into game four and, and atone for this performance tonight, which was very, very costly to the Cavs because Donovan Mitchell just didn't have enough help. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it puts all the pressure on them for game four, which, you know, is as close to a must win as you as possible. Um, 
because like I said, I just, I cannot see them. Um, and I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's just, I think it'd be very, very, very unlikely for them to win three in a row after the way the series has started. But as you said, it is a series. It's not individual games. Um, Sunday at 1 p.m. I mean, I think that weirdly plays into the Cavaliers' favor in this because <laughs> you want to get this one out of your mouth as quickly as possible. And right. also, and also, maybe a Sunday, if you're talking about environments in, in Madison Square Garden, maybe a 1 o'clock game on a Sunday afternoon is not going to be as intense as it was tonight. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure New York... <laughs> I'm sure New York can get up for a, a noon game yeah. on a Sunday, but yeah. I mean, the hope is that it's not night at least, and maybe there's less time to tailgate. I don't know. Uh, you tell you tell me. I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the only thought that I had that maybe maybe it wouldn't be as crazy as it was tonight. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think there's logic behind what you're saying. Um, but I think it's going to be an incredibly emotionally charged environment once again. Yeah. Um, this city believes that the Knicks can win this series. This city understands like how to create a home court advantage. And Donovan talked about this a little bit earlier this morning um, following shoot around Hayden. He said uh, this is their full capacity. This is the first time they've been at full capacity for a playoff series since 2003 yeah no since 2013 excuse me 2013 yeah. one decade um because the last time they were in the playoffs was 2021 and there were still covid restrictions where instead of having 20,000 in MSG they were limited to 15,000 and 5,000 people can obviously make a huge difference mm-hmm. um so i i do think there's there's some logic behind what you're saying, but I, I think it's just going to be chaos again in Madison Square Garden. Well, at very least, it'll be it, yes, it'll still. I'm I I agree that it'll still be chaos, but at least you don't have to sit there and dwell on what just happened for the next you know two or three days. I mean, yep. it's it's you got to get that one out of your system Quick as turn quickly around. as possible. Yeah, yeah, uh, because you got to you know it was it, it just it was bad. It was horrible from pretty much everyone. And, uh, you know, if you want to start talk about confidence, you want to talk about momentum, you want to talk about all that stuff. If you can't get that game out of your head and you can't get those moments out of your head and you can't, you know, get that feeling that, man, I played so bad poorly and I, you know, let my team down, whatever, um, you're not going to have a, you're not going to enter game four with a great mindset and you're not going to probably play the way that you need to play. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting to me because um, as much as you like want to dissect what happened here in game three, and I totally understand why, like, Donovan Mitchell airballed threes tonight. Yeah. Um, Paris Levert, like, at one point looked off Donovan Mitchell to take a step back three at the top of the yeah. key, and I think he might have hit like the American flag at the bottom of the backboard. <laughs> Like Darius Garland had a breakaway layup um, on the play where he rolled his ankle and he missed it. Um, There was just like, this was some of the worst shooting that I've seen from a collective group in a long, long time. And you just have to believe, even in that kind of environment, even with some questions about J.B. Bickerstaff's rotations, 
even with you know how the Knicks have been defending in this series um, and how the Cavs have struggled scoring in the paint consistently and shooting a high percentage in the paint consistently. And even with the lack of bench productivity, um, you've got to believe that the Cavs are going to find a way to shoot better than what they did tonight. Like Danny Green said after the game, it was atrocious from them offensively. And like in his own words, we can only go up from here, I hope, for God's sake. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like, no, what, do me. You, what do you say when you score 79 points and you go 31 of 80 from the field? What do you say? Yeah. I don't know. You're right. I mean, yeah, you want to dissect it, but you're right. It was just, it was that bad. I mean, yeah, the, the ones that you mentioned, yeah, those stuck out to me. I, yeah, the play where Karras... Donovan was essentially open, like pretty open, and uh, yeah. Karras is like, "Nope, I'm just gonna take it and shoot it." Yeah, it's like, man. And then there was another one where the where they were on a there were a couple like they were on a fast break and 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 they gave the ball to Karras and it just popped out of his hands or something and the ball and then all of a sudden went the other way. Yeah, like Evan Mobley had. I mean, it was just it was an all around. I like I said, that's why I think it was the moment. I think I, I think if if we're gonna you know. Look at what happened in this game. I do. I think it was the moment. I think it was a lot of young kids, 20s, you know, mid-20s guys that just hadn't really been there and hadn't experienced anything like that and started okay. But then, you know, the wheels started to fall off once things weren't, you know, really going their way. And, uh, you know, there's nothing you can substitute for that. You can't substitute you know, experience when there is none. And uh, I'm not saying the Knicks are the most experienced team, but, you know, they're the home court. They're the home team in this situation so yeah. Cavs got it out of their system they they played their first they played their first game they now know they understand they've been there you know maybe it, you know maybe they don't ex- understand that well but they've at least experienced it so that they're not you know shell-shocked at, at what they're you know walking into yeah I also got to give credit to the Knicks and you know there have been opportunities where the Cavs could have scored the ball and missed some open shots and I yeah. think everybody will acknowledge that no doubt about it um, but the one thing that the Knicks are doing defensively is they're taking the Cavs out of their comfort zone because they're forcing everybody to make these quick decisions. You know, the game is moving so fast for Evan Mobley and Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro and some of these young, young guys that just like haven't experienced this level of playoff basketball. Um, and and these decisions that they have to make in an instant, like the passing lanes aren't as open right? The Knicks are making the Cavs play in these tight spaces with a lot of congestion. And um, the primary playmakers for the Cavs just need to be better when it comes to taking care of the ball. 21 turnovers tonight is just way too many because that's fueling the Knicks offense. You know, we know that this is going to be a series that's a rock fight. That's what the first three games have been. Mm-hmm. Right. So teams, whether it's the Cavs or the Knicks, they're going to look for easy offense. They're going to try and get offense before the opposing defense can really get set. And it just puts so much pressure on the Cavs defense if the offense is going to turn the ball over 21 times. And it just like gives the Knicks a little bit more freedom offensively. And it allows them to search for easier baskets offensively. 28 points for them came off of the Cavs' 21 turnovers. Yeah, that's not good. It's just, it's it's really not good. 
but nothing was good for Cleveland in this game. So as you said, it's just some you got to imagine that you got, honestly you got to hope they shoot better. You know, they, like you said, they're going to defend, they're going to play hard. Yep. It's just a matter of being under control, shooting the ball better, and you know, and maybe the adjust the adjustments thing. Yeah, I mean, there are there are adjustments that happen in every game, and I think Cavaliers will will find that adjustment. Um, you know, that will counter what the Knicks threw at them um, in this game. But at the end of the day, it's just it is about just. I mean, to have a shooting light like that. I mean, yes, you give the Knicks credit, but man, I mean. Just one of those things. It's amazing. If you would have told me before the series started that there would be a game where Julius Randle went 3 of 15 from the field and 2 of 10 from three-point range and only scored 11 points, and then if you would have told me that the Knicks found a way to win that game by 20, I would have told you that you're nuts. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. like, the contributions for the Knicks, like Jalen Brunson got enough support from the other guys not named Julius Randle. So getting contributions at home from Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly and Josh Hart, like we talked about, and Mitchell Robinson has been really, really good defensively. Um, in fact, he said after the game that he thought that the Cavs um, were hesitant every time they got into the paint and looked a little bit shook when they get into the paint and try and finish over the size of the Knicks and things like that. So he's making his presence felt as well. And they got enough support outside of, you know, their main two guys, especially on a night that their number two guy, Julius Randle, um, just couldn't throw the ball in. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that, that Mitchell Robinson is that opens up a, a whole nother box that maybe we can get into later, but yep. I know that, um, but there's yeah. truth to what he's saying, Hayden, because there are 16 teams playing in the playoffs and the Cavs rank 14th in um, field goal percentage in the paint. Evan Mobley's not finishing there. Darius Garland's not finishing there. Um, you know, it's it's been a struggle for the Cavs to finish over the Knicks' length and size, um, especially when it comes to Evan Mobley, who it just looks like the game is moving too fast for him right now. Yep. On offense, because on yep. defense, he's just been spectacular. Yeah, He's a big yep. part of the reason why Julius Randle has has had the series that he's had on the offensive end of the floor for him. Yeah. Well, yeah, like like I said, we can open that box, you know, when the time comes. But mm-hmm. until then, until then, let's just cut it off to where it is. Hopefully, by the time you wake up tomorrow, it'll be about 24 hours until uh, until the next game <laughs> on Sunday. So. Um, yeah, Sunday at one o'clock. I mean, that'll be the season. If things go well for the Cavs, you got a brand new series. If things don't go well, um, you're looking at, you know, nothing good. So, um, we'll see how it plays out on Sunday. Uh, but in the meantime, Cavaliers down two to one, uh, in this first round series against the Knicks. You need to you sign need up to for Chris's subtext. $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click the blue banner at the top of the page, and you will be set up real, real quick. Get the inside analysis news that you need sent straight to your phone. You know, Chris has been sending pregame texts uh, about lineup changes and stuff like that. You'll know before anybody else. So, again, check it out. $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. Chris, try to get some rest tomorrow. And then Sunday, we are back at it. Cavaliers. New York Knicks in a pivotal, pivotal hmm. game four. I mean, that's the word. 
It certainly is. So we'll see if Darius Garland can step up. We'll see if Donovan Mitchell can step up. We'll see if the entire team can step up because it'll be a uh, it'll be a telling game no matter what happens. It will, and chances are it's going to be another slugfest because that's what we've seen through the first three games between these teams. It's hilarious to me looking around the NBA scoreboard at these other playoff matchups and just looking at final score. Right, you've got Boston, Atlanta, one thirty to one twenty-two. You've got Denver, Minnesota, one twenty to one eleven, and the Cavs and the Knicks are playing like ugly '90s-style basketball. <laughs> yeah, they are. That—that's exactly what it is. I mean, you're right. I was watching the Atlanta-Boston game for a little bit before the Cavs game, and right. like those guys Free were just flowing, chucking, just chucking threes, nailing, yeah. and the Cavs were what two of. 18 at one point or something like goodness gracious and they're not that you know they are they can shoot i mean at least their starters can shoot from out there they, you know but it's just it's it was just brutal and brutal from both sides to start i mean there you know there were open looks in the first quarter all over the place and nothing was falling so yeah you're right it was just it's a very very different style of basketball you're seeing in this Cavs um nick series and if whichever team um, comes out of the series, I, I think that they might, you know, they might surprise some people the way they play in the second round because, you know, a lot of these teams aren't as tough, aren't as kind of gritty as both of these units are. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. Let's get out of here. Appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, check out Chris's subtext again. We'll talk to you on Sunday. I believe it's Ashley that will be doing Sunday's post game. So she will have she and Chris will break it down, whatever happens, but that'll be Sunday after Sunday's game four at Madison Square Garden. Appreciate you guys joining us. Chris, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.